It, it may seem weird on day one to talk about finances, but I'm going to start out there, <laughs> and I'll show you why. And, and the finances weave into something that God has done that only God could do in the last few weeks. And I need to catch up on what I'm talking about. So in, in just a moment, the technology team is going to put a slide on the screen, and what it's going to represent is what you have given in the last four weeks plus last weekend, August 4th. Let's look at that slide. So that's in five weeks' time, that amount was given towards the building fund, right? Uh, let me paint a picture for you, especially if you're new to New Hope, you need to understand what this is representing. So that money was given towards the building fund, and that goes towards this next slide. So that means what you're going to see on the screen is that $6 million cash has been received, right, since we started the building fund, okay? Now let's, let's put that piece together with what's been committed in pledges and in cash gifts, and that takes us to this amount, 6257000 Now hear this out. The building cost... 6500000 and we have now 6250000 roughly. With the pledges and what's left, there's only $242,000, and we will be completely debt-free. That is astounding, church, right? When, when John Palmer shared the numbers back in May about where we were at, and then again in June, because John leads the finance team, we talked about this possibility. Could it be possible that we could actually see this complete facility paid for before Christmas? I'm thinking maybe God's thinking Labor Day, right? <laughs> at, at this point, it, it is absolutely astounding. Only God could do that. Only God could weave these things together. And you, you're going to see how that relates exactly to what we're talking about here this morning. So keep those numbers in mind. I know it's a strange place to start on our first day, but let it be said among the people of New Hope that God is at work here. Say amen if you agree with that. God's at work here. And I want you to hear me really clearly on this. Those who go to New Hope on a regular basis will know this. You wouldn't know this if this is your first Sunday. It's not because of the money. It's not about the money it's about the hearts that are surrendered that's represented by the giving that's taken place. See, New Hope is full of people who recognize that God's at work among us and we respond to God's work. So we're left with this rhetorical question. 22 months ago, I told you we sat on what is now the children's wing, uh, just sandy soil. And we began asking this question, who is like our God? Who could possibly do these things but God? So we brought this question up from Psalm 113.5. Who is like our Lord? The Lord our God, who's like him? Well, let it be said today in 2019, God's at work here, New Hope. And here's the significant part about it. It's not just that God's at work. He's invited you to join him in his work. You get the privilege of joining him in this adventure. Even if you're new today, this story is your story. You get to share this story. I'm going to show you how this morning as we put these pieces together. We look around at this magnificent facility that God's blessed us with, and we can truly say in astonishment, who is like the Lord our God? Well, among many, many others throughout time, King David asked that question. 
King David is most prolific in writing in the book of Psalms. And he asked that one that you saw go up on the screen. You're going to see it again. Look with me on the screen very closely. Who is like the Lord our God? King David asked that. Well, that question that was asked is a rhetorical question. It's been asked and answered with booming shouts by myriads down through the corners of time. Many, many individuals from thousands of years ago, hundreds of years ago, perhaps even your grandparents within your lifetime, maybe your parents, maybe yourself, have asked that question, who's like him? Well, one individual responded, and I'm going to show you her story in just a moment. She responded in 1 Samuel. Look with me on the screen at her response. Her name is Hannah. There is no one like the Lord. Say amen if you agree. There's no one like him. There's no one like him, New Hope. So each time I'm going to invite you this morning to respond in a unique way. We did this 22 months ago. We're going to do this again. Each time you see this question go up, who is like the Lord our God? I'm going to ask you to shout back, no one, right? No one is like him. So while there's many examples we could look at this morning, we're just going to look at three very, very quickly as we weave this together with our story like we did last week. And the first one is Hannah, and she's a young woman, and she stands before the Lord in the ancient land of Israel. She stands before him because she's unable to bear a child, and so she's pleading with God that God would show her favor. And that God did respond is without exception. She brought forth her firstborn son. And Hannah named him Samuel, and she dedicated Samuel to the Lord her God all her life, all his life. And she responded this way that you saw for Samuel 2.2, there is no one holy like the Lord. So I ask you for the first time, New Hope, who is like the Lord our God? No one. No one is like him. Joseph joins the echo. And if you're new to church, this Joseph that I'm mentioning right now, it's not the Joseph that raised Jesus. It's a Joseph of thousands of years before Jesus. This particular Joseph is in his 20s, maybe 30s, maybe early 30s. And his brothers have sold him into slavery. And he finds himself in the dungeons of Pharaoh. He's there because not only that his brother sold him into slavery, but because he's been falsely accused of sexual assault within the palace of Pharaoh. But God sees to it that he's rescued from the hands of the executioners. And when he's rescued, he's vindicated of the rape charge. He didn't do it. As a result, he's exalted to the second position only to Pharaoh in all the land of Egypt. And he not only lived to see his father Jacob again, but he lived to see his brothers, each of the other 11, come back to him and not only apologize, but beg for his forgiveness. And they reunited as a family. And as 12 brothers, they would stand around their daddy's deathbed. And Joseph would hear with his own ears while his dad, Jacob, began speaking of things in the future, millennia ahead, that he had not yet seen. And Joseph hears his dad speak prophetically of the king of kings. Let me show you what I mean. Look with me as an example on the screen. It's Genesis 49, verse 8. Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Understand what's going on here. The dad on his deathbed is looking each of his 12 sons in their eyes, and he's saying to them, this is what's going to become of you. And by the time he gets to Judah, he says, Judah, of you, your brothers will praise you. Watch the rest of the verse. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until Shiloh. 
That's an Old Testament name for Jesus, the Messiah, King Jesus, until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. Now, while that might sound like a really complex statement, especially if you are new to church, hear it this way. 2,000 years before Jesus is born, Jacob, at the age of 147 years of age, he's looking to a time that he cannot see, and he begins speaking prophetically from inside the palace of Pharaoh, he begins speaking about the ultimate king, and he says, to him, to that one, shall be the obedience of all the peoples, meaning one day every knee will bow to the ultimate king, to the lion of the tribe of Judah. Say amen. Who is like the Lord our God? No one. No one is like him. Or what of our third biblical example? Her name is Esther. And Esther finds herself in the ancient kingdom of Persia, what we call Iran today. She finds herself in the city of Babylon. During the days of King Ahasuerus, according to Esther chapter 1, in the days of King Ahasuerus, Esther's living as a slave, a captive, in the back streets of Babylon. Modern-day Babylon, ancient-day Persia, she's there. In verse 15, we're told something remarkable about her. Esther found favor in the eyes of all who saw her. Now, here's why this is so remarkable. King Ahasuerus, he rules over a realm that stretches from India to present-day northern Africa. And of all the women within his entire realm, he chooses Esther. Esther, this slave girl. Verse 17 says this, the king loved Esther more than all the women and she found favor and kindness with him. He set the royal crown on her head and made her queen. So a young captive, a slave girl of no reputation from the backwater streets of ancient Persia within the empire of Ahasuerus, one of the greatest kings to ever live, is raised up to become a queen of a vast empire. Why would God orchestrate things like that at that moment in time? Because she would live to see the people of God nearly exterminated, except because she was queen, she uncovered the wicked plot and preserved God's people. And from that very line of people would come the one whose right it is to rule, King Jesus. They were not exterminated, they were protected because God had his eyes on them. And from that same line, Jesus raises up. And I ask you this question, who is like the Lord our God? No one like him. No one but God could put us in this place in this moment in time. So I'm gonna ask you to do with me, fast forward thousands of years to 2007. 2007, God is on the move. He's orchestrated and fixing and placing things. Who is like our God to have such a tender heart that he would raise up New Hope Church, that he would move among a handful of 17 people, causing them to gift a building that was built in 1971 on Hazlitt Road, that it might possibly be used for the kingdom of God in some way that it could still be used for the kingdom? And that he would bring together 20 more people who would spend three months in prayer seeking his heart in the winter of 2007. God, what are you up to? What are you doing? We're trying to discern God's will. And that in the fall of 2007, he would breathe new life into a church and cause a church to rise up. 
Who is like our God, New Hope? No one. He who has taken from among us, from that first handful, now has produced a youth group, a college ministry, greenhouse, about to launch a young adults program, a a vibrant children's ministry, a women's ministry, a men's ministry, piece after piece after piece that God has put together. No one could do that but God. And the list of ways that God has been on the move here could fill an entire book. And he cares about you in the most intimate ways because he did this for the entire metro area. He did this for all of Lansing, and now he's placed us here. And in the most intimate ways, God says, I can take care of all your needs. That he cares for us to this degree. When we needed a worship leader, God said, I got that. When we needed a children's ministry leader, God said, got that. When we needed an elevator for the building, God said, got that. Caused somebody to step forward, I can pay for that. When we needed the parking lot repair, God said, I got that too. You need a women's leader, you need a care pastor, you need people to work in the office, got that, got that, got that, got that. What else do you need, Mark? What else do you need me to put in place? What else would God do for us? What would he do for you today if you were loyal to him? Not that you're not. But that's what scripture says. When we're loyal to God, he responds in that way. He says, I got that. So I ask you this question, who is like the Lord our God? No one is. That he would move in the heart of another church to gift us with a $50,000 grand piano when we couldn't afford one. Another church across town that donates it to our young church that was just struggling to survive. And God says, got that too. And then then he steps one step further, that he would have such a burden to reach more and more and more people than could possibly fit in our building. So God moves in the hearts of individuals to buy video equipment. And now today, as you sit here in this service, welcome the people who are watching online because they're streaming from around the country, people who live in other states. I talked to a man after the nine o'clock service who drove a thousand miles from Missouri just to be here this morning because he wanted to be here on day one. That was his whole reason for making the trip. Who but our God would move in people's hearts that way? And he gifts us with a tech director and an incredible team that can run all of this equipment. If you needed me to run the equipment, I'm saying you're just out of luck. Not going to happen. And then he gives us a compassionate care team and a fund to pay power bills for people and help struggling parents with diapers and to repair cars and pay utility bills. And Then he provides us with a missions team to help both international and local missionaries. And then he provides us with a Stephen ministry team working with people who are emotionally and physically struggling, going through really hard times. Our God does that. Who is like the Lord our God? No one. Now you're saying that a little less enthusiastic than you were earlier. I was just calling you out on that. All right. I'll give you a reason to say it a little louder. As we begin weaving all these pieces together, we take everything we learned about the ancients and we take what we've learned now and we say that God is always at work. God is always at work around us and he's invited every single one of us to be part of the story. Every one of us have been invited to join this adventure. His great desire is that he would continue working through new hope. How do I know that? Because of this very building that you sit in. This building has become a marker stone to the community. You're here, you can use this story to talk to your friends about God and your relationship with him. You can point to that and say, God did that. I was part of that. I can tell you the story. I know what happened there. God's always at work. He invites us to join him. See, that he would move in the hearts of New Hope families to purchase this very piece of land 
with cash, so we didn't have to spend any money out of the general fund. They just bought it. And that he's moved among y'all, he's moved among every one of us to put together enough funds to build this building out of a new church, six and a half million dollars? How amazing is our God and generations yet to come are going to share in the word of God on the same soil that you sit on today because you've been faithful to God, because you've been loyal and you've been willing to follow him. So how great is our God, and this is the capstone for me, how great is our God that this very moment in time right now, he personally has his eye on you and looking at you right at this moment. How do I know that? Because his word says so, and God can't lie. He drew you in to be part of what he's doing. I talk to people in between services and before the nine o'clock service whom I know personally, I know their story, and they came to faith in Jesus Christ because God raised up New Hope Church. He's doing this on a regular basis, bringing people into relationship. Many of you have found yourself walking further and deeper with God than you ever knew possible. All you have to do is look back a year in time or two years in time or three years in time and say, am I further along today than what I was at that moment? That we would see marriages restored, that we would see families brought back together, that we would see individuals who've had habits and addictions get over those things because of the work of Jesus in their life. Who but God could do that? And he's moved in the hearts of so many here to bring this building into reality that on behalf of the leadership team and, and the great staff and volunteers that we have here, and my wife and myself, we just say to you, thank you for being loyal. Thank you for being faithful to God. Praise God for what he's done here. It's his work, right, church? Say amen if you agree with that. It's his work. He's done it. So God knew that we couldn't keep growing and stay where we were. Because when God's on the move, you can't stay where you are and go with God at the same time, right? You gotta go with him. So we've done that. And this lead team, the staff, they've taken a step and said, we trust God, we're gonna do that. So since day one, our vision, first day one, our vision is the same as this day one. It's very, very clear. Our role is to strengthen believers and to bring those who don't yet know Jesus into relationship with him. So if you're new here, I just want you to see this on the screen. This is very familiar to the people of New Hope, but just look at what our vision is. Here's what we understand we're called to be, that we would teach the word of God accurately, that we would love authentically, that we'll worship God with all our heart, and that we will persistently seek his will in prayer. By doing these things, we're known as a biblical community. I know it kind of looks strange on the sign when you drive by when it says New Hope Church, a biblical community. But that's who we are. We're learning together, we're loving together, we're worshiping together, and we're praying together. So use that sign, use it as a marker. It is the representation of what God has called us to be. And in so many ways, we witness his hand of blessing in ways that defy logic, things that you cannot explain. So the Bible is this constant reminder that he wants to work through us. He is working all the time, he wants to work through you. So read this, read this yourself, look on the screen with me. God looks for people through whom he can work. This takes me back to what we were talking about last week. 2 Chronicles 16, 9. The eyes of the Lord roam to and fro across the whole earth, seeking to show himself powerful on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. That's you. You've been loyal to your God. That verse tells me that there's no problem that can arise for you 
There's no problem, no trauma that can come up in your life this week or perhaps it came up in your life last week. There's no problem that God is not aware of. He always knows everything that's going on. That's why he's God. And so he's watching. So when this trauma or when this crisis or when even a small problem enters your life, it is so easy to forget what God can do. Our human nature is to lean into our own understanding. God says, don't lean into your own understanding, Mark, because I've done it lots of times. Lean into my wisdom. Don't lean into your ways, lean into my ways. In all your ways, acknowledge me. So when a significant decision comes your way in your life, make it your first priority, your first response. Train yourself to let your reaction be, Father, how do you want me to respond to this? What do you want me to do with this? And here's where most of us disqualify ourselves when that issue comes along. God would never use me, Mark. He would never do that. My heart is far from perfect. I'm here this morning to tell you that's the whisper of Satan. Satan whispers things like that, that you don't measure up, you don't qualify, you're not good enough. That's exactly the opposite of what your God tells you. Because if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, Jesus made you holy before God, amen? That means you've been justified. Justified for eternity, saved by God for eternity because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. So be reminded this morning, if you are a believer in Jesus, you have been made perfect before God, justified for eternity. That tells me the Lord God has his eye on you. And he's just looking to work through you. He's looking to work through all of us. So we ask ourselves this question this morning. Does he love me as much as Hannah? Does he love me as much as Joseph? Does he love me as much as Esther? And you can say, absolutely he does. Absolutely. He died for you. What sets those ancients apart then? Well, when the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro across the whole planet seeking to show himself powerful, he locked eyes on those individuals because they trusted God's capacity, not their own. They trusted God to show himself powerful. They believe in his ability. We're the same people. We've got new digs. We've got a new location, right? And it looks good, I'm just saying. It looks really good, but we're the same people. He's still the same God, amen? He's still the same God. So that doesn't change. We still belong to him, and we recognize it's God who launched new hope. I'm just here to tell you this morning, man could not do what God has done. I'm not that smart, right? And he worked this plan out. Now, don't look at me like you are smart because, you know, we know we're not smart enough to do this. There's no way we can orchestrate this. These are the things of God. That's why we recognize this place is holy. This is something that God's been up to. It's God that led you to be part of what he's doing here today. Here's the reason, and this is the primo reason, the highest reason for all of this existing because there is no higher goal than advancing the name of Jesus Christ, right? No higher goal. That's why it exists. That's why we're here. So we know very specifically that he's not willing that any would perish. That's his will. His will is that we would be here for that purpose because God loves us so much. His will is that everyone would come to know Jesus as their Savior. So he put us here on Saginaw Highway in the midst of this metro area as a flagship. Here I am. I'm working among people. Come check it out. I want you to see what I'm up to. 
I want you to know this morning, if you don't know the gospel story, the thing that we're talking about here, that Jesus came, just hear this, indulge me real quickly. God the Father and God the Son, in connection with God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, the three in one, determined in eternity past that God the Son would become Jesus the man. Jesus the man comes to this planet, walks this earth, perfect life never sins and shows us what the model of becoming a Christ follower is, is crucified and dead and buried. But praise God, that was Friday, right, New Hope? Because Sunday's coming. There's resurrection. Jesus rises and ascends to the right hand of the Father, and we're told that he's coming again one day. All of that means that if you believe in Jesus, he will wipe away your sin. He will give you a fresh start, a complete new beginning. And maybe you think you've got too many things going on in your life. There's been too much sin in your past. But God says, no, when I separate your sin as as far as the east is from the west, and I remember them no more. And I don't know if you've ever tried to measure how far the east is from the west, but it's a long way. God says, I remember them no more. That's the new beginning you have in Jesus. See, there's no higher goal than advancing that, that story. I am confident that if we're faithful to that, if we continue to tell people about Jesus and we teach the word of God authentically, legitimately, and genuinely, that we have not yet begun to see what God is gonna do for us. So I commit this day, I commit this day to the memory of our children and our children's children and their children after them, that they would recall this moment in time throughout all their days ahead so they can say, I was part of that. My parents were part of that. I got to be part of the work of God on earth. I was there on August 11th, 2019, and I've been part of the work of God. So I'm asking you right now, what are you going to do with it? Where do you go from here? What kind of things might come your way this week that you are not anticipating that God has raised up in your life to give you opportunity to speak about the name of Jesus? That's just a question I'm gonna leave hanging. Right now, God bless you, New Hope, for being faithful to him. The first chapter of New Hope is done. Day one, chapter two, begins now. This is our moment. So praise him for what he will continue to do through us that we don't even begin to understand. Would you pray with me? Lord God, I know that there's a temptation that we could feel like we've just gone through a concert and a cheerleading session. If it wasn't for the work of your Holy Spirit, if your spirit wasn't brooding over this room right now, This would be empty. There'd be no purpose in being here. And we wouldn't have a story to tell. But you've given us a reason. You've given us Jesus. And you've given us the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. God, with that reality, we can be part of what you've called us to do. I know that this adventure is just beginning. I pray, Father, that whatever comes our way this afternoon, tomorrow, Wednesday, Friday, that we don't even see yet, that you would put us in that place where we would be willing to respond, and I mean loyally respond, God. Push on our hearts in whatever way you need to. Cause us to respond, to look for ways to advance the kingdom. Thank you, Father, for this church. Thank you for these people.
and in advance. We thank you for what you haven't even done yet. Do it, Father. Bring glory and honor and praise to the name of Jesus, the King of kings who is worthy of all our praise. It's in the name of Jesus we do pray and all God's people said, amen. Have a great week, New Hope.